right. How many of you were here for last week? Awesome. Uh, so some of you weren't here. So we've kicked off a little mini-series. So let me just quickly recap on that. If you haven't, um, if you weren't here last week, you can actually get that message on the website so you can catch up. And uh, it's a series that we've called, What Should I Do With My Stuff? And, and we can have a lot of stuff. And uh, so the question Matt kind of put to us last week as he was starting this thing, so we're just doing it for a few weeks. So we've got last week, me today, we'll pause it next week so we can party, and then we'll finish up the week after that. And it's kind of looking at that whole thing of, you know, what has God given us and what do we do in response to that? And uh, he was sort of encouraging us based on the teaching of Scripture and the example of Jesus and of the apostles and those who have gone before us to live lives where we choose to be givers rather than takers. Remember that for those of you who are here? It's this open-hearted, open-handed posture of living life that we're encouraged to lean into and to grow into. And so I want to build on that and add to that and, uh, and kind of we're going to start to unpack this whole thing. Well, so what is our stuff? And what are we going to do with it? And so the title of today's message is, well, what can I give? So for each one of us, instead of it being this sort of generic, the people of God are called to be givers, to be generous, to be open-hearted and open-handed, what does it mean for me? What do I have to give? And so uh, there's a couple of ways of looking at this. Matt, last week, he talked about our time, our treasure, and our talent. I'm going to break it down slightly differently and look at our time, energy, and money. Similar kind of way of doing the whole thing, but this is one that fits me well. And so uh, we kind of underpin this just as we did last week with a, a verse out of Psalms. And it's Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. All of who I am, all of who you are, Everything that we have, our internal resources and our external resources, everything that we have been given is the Lord's. This is an issue of ownership. You know, we kind of live in this world where we're like fighting for our rights. You know, I have a right to this and I have a right to that. You know, women's rights, um, which is a, not a bad thing, by the way. But, um, <laughs> but, but, you know, we've kind of got this thing of, well, I have a right to this and I have a right to something else. You know, as followers of Jesus, we actually don't. We have handed over those rights. We have acknowledged, actually, that we never had those rights really to begin with because the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. We have responsibility. He has ownership. We have responsibility. And he's given us tremendous freedom to be able to explore what it is that we do with ourselves and what he gives us. And that's pretty cool. The Bible talks about that whole notion as something called stewardship. We don't tend to use that word very much, do we? It's a bit of an old school kind of a word. But if we have a look in the dictionary, and I trained as a teacher, so I quite like dictionaries. <clears throat> so let's look there. Just so that we're really clear, stewardship means the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. God has entrusted us with all of who we are and everything he gives us, including this world we live in. I remember for, uh, when we actually met Zach's parents when we lived in the UK over 20 years ago. 
And uh, his mum, Helen, was one of my really good friends over there. And uh, because it may have sounded a little bit random, why would God send Jacinda to his mum in the middle of nowhere in Wales? Um, It's because she was a great friend, but I hadn't seen her in over 20 years. And... um, But one of the things, we'd gone over there, we'd been married two years, I was 24 years old, and we had gone to the UK believing that that was something that God was inviting us to go do. And uh, so we'd gone, it was was exciting, but it was obedience. And we, I had always kind of thought, oh, I'd love to travel one day, you know, and all that. But I thought I'd do a quick flit and come home. Because I loved home. I was really close to my family. I love New Zealand. And, uh, yes, and... uh, And I was happy with, like, let's go visit, but let's come home, you know? God kind of had other ideas. So we left with a one-way ticket, and I didn't know how long we were going to be away, and I didn't know what was going to happen, but I knew it was a hang of a long way from my family, uh, who mostly live in the Eastern Bay of Plenty. And I remember we'd been there a few months, and uh, we'd gotten connected with the Vineyard Church there in Oxford, and I had this, I was actually really struggling um, because, and any of you who have moved countries will know what this is like. It felt like everything that was familiar, everything that gave me a sense of security and safety and even identity wasn't there. Like it was all different. Every, nothing was kind of predictable or felt safe. And, so, and I, was, I was struggling a bit. Even though it was wonderful, it was tough. And, uh, and missing family and missing friends and missing my life. You know, you kind of have to move and start a whole new life in another place. And, um, and I remember I, was, I had some friends praying for me at Life Group, and I felt like God gave me this picture. And I was standing on the edge of a cliff, and everything that was safe, everything I put security in, everything that was familiar was like going off the side of the cliff, and I was sort of dangling on the edge, feeling like oh, I'm hanging on for dear life, you know, and everything was pouring over the edge, and, which was not a comfortable feeling. And I felt like God said to me in that moment, This is so that you can learn to trust me, so I can trust you with what I have for you in the future. I had no idea what our lives were going to turn out like. If you'd told me I was going to be doing this, I would have, I don't know what I would have done, but I wouldn't have believed you. And uh, and as it's turned out, I feel like he's spent the last 20 some years teaching me how to trust him in greater and greater measure. That is part of stewardship, is that whole thing of he's entrusted us with a lot And then we grow in how we actually manage that and making good decisions around that. In 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31, remember uh, the last series we did, we looked at this letter from Paul to the church in Corinth, and he was committed, wasn't he, to like helping them grow up in their faith. And this is one of the things he says to them in, in this verse. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Whatever you do. Huge amount of freedom there, isn't there? But do it all for the glory of God. Why don't we pray? So, Lord, here we are, your people. And we want to first and foremost say thank you for all that you have done, all that you've given us in terms of who each one of us is and all that you give us to steward. Lord, would you make us wise and generous people? that would be able to share what we have with the world around us in a way that brings you glory. Would you be with us this morning, Lord? I pray that you would take my mere words and that you would do what only you can do and change our hearts and make us more and more the people that reflect you to the world. 
In Jesus' name. Amen. Paul spoke to the church in Corinth, and actually he wrote letters to a number of different churches and different people. Every single time, he does it from the perspective of as a loving father, as a co-laborer, as a friend. And he was committed to helping people grow up, to become mature in this thing of faith. And so today, and over this little mini-series, some of you will kind of feel like this whole thing of learning how to steward what you've been given, you know, you've been there, done that, and kind of, you know, I've got that under control. Um, I would ask you, regardless of where we are in this whole thing, is why don't we just take this as an opportunity just to pause, kind of midstream, and reassess where we are in this thing, and allow God to speak to our hearts, because actually it doesn't matter how long we've been doing this, we've got room we can grow in, hey? I know that's true for me anyway. And Paul knew that becoming giving people, to be open-handed and open-hearted and generous and to steward our resources well was good for us. This isn't about, please hear this, this is not about fulfilling or meeting a whole lot of rules. This is about God making us his people and transforming our hearts and setting us free. Free from things like our self-sufficiency or our greed that actually tie us up in knots and make us anxious and worried. This is why this is important for us. And the amazing thing is, he wrote that all that time ago. Now, there's science that backs him up. You know, there, there is a, a school inside the University of Notre Dame that in the last decade have devoted themselves to researching the gen- what generosity does to people. There's science to this because we're actually wired to be this way. It's really good for us does good things for us. In an article written in the Huffington Post last year, it talked about uh, how this, it was kind of, the title was Seven Science-Backed Reasons Why Generosity is Good for Us. And it was things like it lowers our risk of depression. It is good for our health. We live longer. We have better marriages when we do this. Isn't that crazy? It's like somehow we are hardwired to be this way on one level, and yet we all know we're inherently selfish, aren't we? Is there an amen? <laughs> Otherwise, I'm feeling like it's only me. Um, and so Paul, all that time ago, had this insight and wisdom. And let's be honest, Jesus was the one who gave it to him because he knew people better than anybody. And Paul writes to this young pastor called Timothy who's just sort of getting going, and he's writing this encouragement to him. And he says, you know, this is what you need to teach people. Teach them to do good to be rich in helping others, and to be extravagantly generous. If they do that, they'll build a treasury that will last, gaining life that is truly life. That's not just life for when we die and we get to be with Jesus forever and ever. It's life that is truly life here, now, that we get to be set free and live you know, this transformed life now. Carrie Newhoff, who's a Canadian pastor and writer, and um, he speaks all over the place, he says this, because Paul, remember, is driven by wanting people to become mature. Yeah? So Christian maturity, this uh, pastor would say, isn't marked by how much we know or what we can get, but it's marked by how much we love and how much we give in light of how deeply we've been loved and how much we've been given. So our growing in expanding our heart and opening our heart and hands wider and wider as we, get, as we do life, hey, 
<laughs> is part of that growing up, part of becoming mature. We become like the one we're following. Isn't that kind of the case? You know, that whoever you hang out with tends to rub off on you. Well, folks, we want to hang out with Jesus, don't we? And become like him, which is open-hearted, is generous, and is creating this treasury that gives us life here and now as well as time to come. So our stewardship of ourselves and what we have is a really important part of us uh, becoming mature in this. So then, what can I give? Time, energy, and money. Let's have a quick look at each one of those things and recognize that some of those are internal, hardwired stuff, like our personality, the gifts that we have, the things we're good at, and some of it is the stuff that we're given, the money, the, you know, the, the tangible things that we have that we can steward well. Like, as if you were here last week, you would have heard many stories about trailers. And if you don't know what that's about, listen to the podcast. <laughs> Okay, so first of all, my time. Time has got to be one of our most precious commodities, doesn't it, in our day and age? It always feels like it's pressed and that we're stretched thin in this thing. So we want to be people that really grow in wisdom about what we say yes to. Because every yes that we make is an automatic no to something else. We don't always kind of think about that, like that if I choose to do this, it means I can't do that. And oftentimes we have like a range of options that are actually all, they all look good. You know, it's not like, you know, sometimes it feels simple. It's like a choice between something that's really good and something that's actually not that helpful. Well, those are easy. But actually for us, often we have a range of good choices. And then we have to ask God, would you give us wisdom about what it is that we choose out of those things? You know, Paul is encouraging us to invest well. It's a bit like a bank deposit. You know, we want to keep depositing good installments that actually lead us into a life that is rich here on earth as well as for eternity. So we do not want to fall into that trap or that kind of way of thinking where we just think we have just got all the time in the world. So one day I will do this or one day I will start that. Or one day I will change this in my life. We don't know if we get one day more than today. I think that's one of the things, you know, with getting older is you start realizing it's not like I'm old yet, just to clarify, but um, in case you were wondering. But, you know, we, when we're young, we tend to just think, oh, I've got all the time in the world. You know, we've already buried some of our peers and we're not old. Some of them don't get another day. We don't know when ours is going to stop. And the other thing is, is the choices, the yeses that we make when we're young set us on trajectories and create patterns and habits that take us places for the rest of our lives. So, so it's super important that we are wise around this thing. We want to build something that lasts. So what are some of the things that we could spend our time on, that we could choose to say yes to? Choose relationships. Choose people. No one ever got to their, bed, their deathbed and thought, man, I wish I'd spent more time gaming <sighs> or out on the golf course or at work. Usually, when you're talking to people who know that the end is coming, they are going, I wish I'd spent more time with my family. I wish I'd spent more time talking to the people that I really love, my friends. We've got to make this count, you know? 
We want to, you know, we, in 1 Corinthians, we looked at the fact that all of us have gifts, don't we? God's given all of us something to contribute. And, and we don't become, the church, us, people, we don't become fully who we're meant to be unless all of us are giving that away to one another. And not just in the church, but in the community as well. So one of the best things we can say yes to is to give ourselves to one another, to invest in one another, to encourage one another, to draw one another into the fullness of life that we can kind of offer each other because we all see different things, don't we? And uh, this week was Kiran's birthday. Yes. I know he'll be thrilled I told you that. Um, sorry, but not really. Uh, but one of the things that we try to do as a staff, that when someone has a birthday, then we, there's cake, which Fiona provides in amazing fashion, um, and we pause, and we either do morning tea or lunch, and we take time to celebrate that person. And so one of the things that we do as part of that is we tell that person, each one of us, uh, what it is that we appreciate about them. And over and over and over again, one of the prominent themes as people were talking about Kiran is his generosity. He is so willing to invest himself in people. He gives them his time. He gives them his expertise. For those of us who are IT challenged, we're extremely appreciative of that. But, you know, like he teaches people how to play guitar. He teaches those of us who have not, no clue about computer things, helps us with that stuff. I was messaging him yesterday. I can't save the PowerPoint. My laptop's not working because it has been playing up. It's not actually normally like that. Um, but, and he's messaging me on a Saturday telling me what to do to fix it. You know, that's what generosity is. That's what a giving heart looks like and investing time in people. Uh, another thing we can choose to spend time on is work and rest. Work and rest. Uh, Peter Scazzero, who wrote a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, which is a great read if you've not read it, he says this, we imitate God by stopping our work and resting. We are designed for both. We need to do both. So some of you may feel like, I'm really good at the resting part. Work? Meh. Not so much. Don't love it. <laughs> but actually, God's made us for work. He has. And so it's good for us to work and to work hard. However, some of you need to hear this. It is not all about work. You need to rest. To do either one to extreme is really bad for us. It isn't good. And so we need to say yes to carving out time for both in our lives. Another part of that is choosing time that cultivates life-bringing spiritual practices in our lives so that we can nourish a thriving and healthy and growing relationship with God. And rest is part of that. Let's look at what Jesus said to his disciples in Mark 6.31. He says, come with me by yourselves. So there's some solitude there. To a quiet place, there's silence, and get some rest. Solitude, silence, and rest are spiritual practices. And they are good for our souls, they are good for our minds, they are good for our bodies, and they nourish our relationship with God, which then feeds everything else in our lives. So in terms of our time, we want to spend it well. So these are the kinds of things we can consider. How am I doing with this? Am I making time for the most important people in my life? Am I making time for rest and work? Am I making time to actually build in sustainable, ongoing spiritual practices that are going to give me life? 
the next area of our lives that we have something to give is our energy. Or talents is the other way we can look at that. So for us, in that, we want to choose health. We've been given this body for a finite period of time. But it really affects what we can do, doesn't it? Like if it's working good, we can do anything just about within limits. But if it's not working, it severely limits what we can do. Um, Last year, we had Gary and Joy Best from uh, Canada out here. And they were the national directors for the Vineyard in Canada for a number of years. And so they're a bit older than us. They're probably in their early 60s, I'm guessing. And, uh, but super fit, like they eat, they stayed with us, so I got to see what they actually live like. Uh, and so they eat really healthy, they both work out, and they, they are unapologetic in looking at this whole area of health, like physical health. Because they have seen too many of their friends die young. See, when they came to faith in the 60s, the prevalent thinking was, you know, like kind of just burn for Jesus, baby, you know? Just go hard or give up. And so that's what people did. They just went like ballistic, didn't look after their bodies, and died young, A lot of, like a bunch of them have. And so when they got older and they started experiencing some, some different health issues, they were like, hang on a minute. This is, this is a resource God has given us, this body that I'm in. I need to look after it. This is the, the scripture calls this the temple of God. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. This body may look like it's this fleshy, you know, thing, lump at times, um, especially with gravity kicking in, um, but it is actually this sacred thing. It's this really important thing, and it's one of the resources God has given us that we need to steward and look after well. Kay Warren, who, uh, with her husband Rick Warren, they started a church in Southern California called um, Saddleback Church. Heard of that? He did the 40 Days of Purpose and Purpose Driven Life and all these different things. It's a massive church now. And she's written a book just recently for pastor's wives, which I've just devoured in the last couple of weeks. And uh, it's called Sacred Privilege. And this is one of the things she says. Our bodies are containers of the Holy Spirit of God. Let's just sit with that for a minute. Our bodies are containers of the Holy Spirit of God. They hold the sacred and fragile containers of clay. We regularly abuse these jars of clay and wonder why we can't serve the Lord more fully. I want to last. I want to serve God with all I have. I don't want to get sick because I was careless with what God entrusted into my hands. I can't control the uncontrollable. They are in God's hands. But I'm responsible for what's in my hands. There's that responsibility thing again, stewardship. So please hear this. I know that some of us here have chronic illness that we have no control over. That is not what this is addressing. We cannot control that. That is really the stuff, as much as we wrestle with it, that we have to trust God with, even if we live with it for the rest of our lives. But there's a lot we do actually get to control. We get to control what we eat. We get to control how much sleep we get. We get to control how much we move and exercise. Now, that may sound like, well, Jacinda, you sound like you have it all under control. No. No, I don't. I have a small problem with chocolate, which can get quite large at times. It's like you can't just have a piece. You know, it's like... uh, 
And, ex and exercise, honestly, I'm rubbish at. I've always been rubbish at it. I used to love dance when I was young, and then, you know, I stopped, and, well, <laughs> that was that. I've tried the gym, I've tried all these other things, and people tell me, I talk to people who love exercise, like Tash and Hannah trundled off to the gym this week, and they're like, yes, we went hard, and it was just like endorphins were going. I'm like, yeah, I've read about that. <sighs> I've yet to experience it. I've tried the gym, and no endorphins seemed to be present when I was there. So it's easy for myself to talk my way out of it, you know. It's like convince myself, well, it's good for other people, but not for me. I want to last. I want to serve God for a long time, as actively as I possibly can. We have got things to do. We have got a kingdom to advance here on earth. And this body enables us to, get, to participate in that. So... Trust God with the stuff that we can't control, but take responsibility for the things that we can control. So can I ask you, wherever you are in life, stop and think about how much sleep you get. Young ones, <clears throat> that does affect gaming choices. Till two or three in the morning, and then wondering why getting up for church the next day is like really hard. Um, those of us who are older know that, well, that's just a physical impossibility to stay up till that late. Um, but, but, you know, it's like stop and think about sleep. Stop and think about what food we're eating and make good choices. And same thing with exercise. I am actually working on that, <laughs> just so you know. <clears throat> but I'm still rubbish. Um, pray for me. So, so that whole thing of, like, choosing health, really important. So energy, is that's, that's that part of it. But if we were flipping that slightly and looked at talents as well, it's like, well, you know, so what do I have to give? Give what you're good at. Give what you love doing. You know, how can you serve God with the gifts and the talents and the skills that God has given you? You know, you're going to receive a flyer when you leave that, uh, that's going to tell you about a new course that's kicking off at Rachel and Blair's life group. That's uh, it's this week, it starts, hey? And uh, so you'll get one of those. Well, Rachel and Blair, when they arrived in our church, they're like, would we be able to do a life group soon? Because they have, it's just been life-giving to us when we've been in other situations. We love people and we love investing in people and we love connecting people. So they're giving their gifts, their skills, their passion to creating a place where people can do that. All our life group leaders do that. You know, the worship team that get up here and serve us week after week after week, they give of themselves. It's probably not um, soul-destroying for them. They love it. And they're good at it. And they keep working at their craft to get better and better, to be able to give that away. Clive uh, has been coming and volunteering in the office for us on a Friday afternoon. And he's like a genius at like just handyman finish. You know, he's actually, he's saving our bacon because there's a whole lot of jobs that we just never get around to. And it's just finishing things properly or repairing stuff that's broken or, you know, it's all of that bitty things that you just, it's important, but it just seems to always slip off your list of things to do. He is rescuing us by coming in and giving us his time and his energy and what he's good at. It's awesome. If you're not sure what you're good at, Try heaps of things. This is what we tell our young people. It's what we do with our interns. It's like just try lots of different things. We'll give you lots of opportunities to try lots of things so that as you do it, you can find out what you're good at and what you love. Two great questions to ask yourself if you're trying to figure out, so what is it God's made me good at, is ask yourself, where do I find joy when I do it? 
So like for some people, that's hospitality or it's building or it's whatever. You know, like what brings you joy and what brings you fruitfulness? Like when you do it, good fruit appears either in your own life and in the people that you're serving. So that's a really good question to ask. What brings you those things? Because the thing is, we all have something to give. Every one of us. Just go back and read 1 Corinthians again to remind yourselves that this is part of us being family. All right, time, tick, energy, and talent, done. Money. We were chatting with friends last night, and, um, and it, you know, like we were just talking about how Kiwis really aren't, they don't love talking about money. We don't like talking about politics or religion often, or money or sex. And we're going to be talking about all of those things and have been for the last little while because it's in the Bible. You know, we don't get to have a pass on this stuff. And the other thing we don't really like as Kiwis is we don't like getting told what to do. (laughs) It's a bit like that colonial. You won't tell me what to do. I'll do what I want to do. Okay, so let's help you want to do this because this is good for you. So time and energy. Oftentimes people don't struggle with trying to figure out exactly how they can give that away how to steward that well. Money is a whole other thing. And, uh, and I'm not sure why it is, but it seems to be something that's not just for us Kiwis. It's something that was just as much of an issue through in the Old Testament and Scripture, in the New Testament and Scripture, throughout church history. We have a problem with money sometimes. So on the back of Matt's message last week, uh, there's been lots of questions this week and conversations. You know, Kiran mentioned that young adults, they, they spent their night, you know, like chewing this around and kind of processing what does that mean for us and how do we live out our faith through this and how do we steward what we have well and, you know, it's all of that. So we've had a lot of different conversations. So some of the questions that have come up this week that I'm going to try and address is how much should I give away? Where do I give my money? How do I start and what if I'm struggling financially? Okay, so I'm just going to try and whiz through those and, uh, and just give you some things to think about. So, response to how much should I give away? John Wesley, who was a great Protestant reformer, he said this, earn all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. Great advice, eh? Really good. And so we want to be people that try and do all of those things well and steward all of those things well. Biblical standard practice, based on everything that was taught and practiced through the Old Testament in particular, was 10%. People gave 10% of their crops. They gave 10% of their earnings. It was just standard operating procedure. So in the New Testament, as we read from P.T. Kendall, who was a preacher and scholar, he said that tithing, which is this 10% sort of normal practice, was so deeply embedded in the Jewish conscience that it needed virtually no mention in the New Testament. It was, it was because Jesus was talking to, and the apostles were largely talking to initially, um, Jews who came to faith. And so giving 10% of everything they had was normal standard practice. We don't have that, do we? No. Just so you know, we don't. Most of us don't. And we, most of us have come from homes that, that wasn't what we were taught by our parents, uh, and we didn't see it modelled. And yet that is normal standard operating procedure for people of God. And uh, honestly, for us, it's just it's a place to start. You know, if we're trying to, you know, people go, oh, is it 10% of gross earnings or is it 10% of after tax? And oh, I don't know. Talk to God about it. Seriously. 
talk to him. What, what we've done as a family is that we've, we have always given, Matt and I both started this when we were both single and as students, and, and then we got married, it just became what we did collectively with what we had, and as our kids have gotten older, we've included them in that, we've taught them how to do that individually as they have gotten jobs and income, but also as a family we've made decisions about how we give. And, and we've just sort of used 10% as a starting point and, uh, and built that into our budget. And then if we have any unexpected uh, bits of money that come in from time to time, then we as a family go, okay, so we've been given this. Uh, how much should we give away? It's kind of one of the first things we do when that goes into the bank account. Is like, okay, well, and so the kids, when they're small, they're just like randomly picking out any old number. Um, but as they've gotten older and they've kind of had a bit more of a sense of hmm, money, it's quite valuable, um, you know, we've done that together. So there you go. It's a place to start. So where do we give our money and why would we give it to the church? Same thing. It's biblical precedent. The Levites were a group of the people of Israel that were set aside to serve God in the temple. They were the priests. And so the, that's part of like that 10% that was just given, standard practice, that went to supporting the temple and to looking after the priests because they had no other way to earn their money. They were like totally reliant on uh, this giving from the rest of the people. Uh, so we have biblical precedent, but here's the thing. We, the church, have got things to do. And God is using us to advance his kingdom here on earth. Let's read in Ephesians 1, 22 to 23. At the centre of all this, let me just back up a minute. Paul's just been talking about uh, that God is establishing his rule, his kingdom here on earth through what Jesus did. Okay, so he's just been explaining that. So at the centre of all of this, Christ rules the church. And the church, you see, is not peripheral to the, to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts and by which he fills everything with his presence. We are vital to what God is doing here on earth. Ephesians 1 verse 10, through Christians like yourselves gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about even among the angels. We have got a job to do here on earth. We don't just gather on Sundays and feel good. That is not what we exist for. We exist to encourage one another, to build one another up, for us to grow together, to take what we have and give it to the world, to give away the hope, to give away the love, to give away the justice that Jesus brings. That takes resource for us to do that. And the church is at the center of all that God is doing through, you know, out into the world. And I would add, why would you give to your local church? Because look, there's lots of really great organizations out there that, we, you know, we want to give and support. I would say that Jesus' instructions to his disciples was start at home. Start spreading the gospel and caring for people right where we are start at home. In Matthew 10 verses 6 and 8, go to the lost, confused people right here in the neighborhood. Tell them that the kingdom has come. You have been treated generously, so live generously, time, energy, and money. You know, we are not in this community, in this part of the city, and in this church by accident. You are not in the job that you're in, or the course that you're in at university, or the class that you're in in school by mistake. 
We are there to permeate the whole of the Hibiscus Coast and parts of the city that we get to go with the presence of Jesus. That is vitally important. We start here. That, does that mean that we're never going to give, you know, and be involved with people further abroad? No. We start here. But it's like a ripple effect, you know, for each one of our lives. We're going to just keep investing, keep giving away, and it's going to spread and spread and spread and spread. Wouldn't it be awesome for us to be a church that if we weren't here, the whole community would notice? That's who we want to be. We want this part of the city to be better because we're here. That takes resource. So if God has called you to this church, it's not by mistake. And so I would encourage you, this sounds really full on, doesn't it? But honestly, this is what we've taught our kids. It's what we've lived. It's what we believe is really important. So please hear this as me standing with you as your friend, as your pastor, and as someone that has been charged with helping you to grow in your faith and to live life well, consider this. Okay? That's all this is. I just, Matt and I both, we just want what's best for you, and this is what's good. Theodore Roosevelt, he sums it up with this. Do what you can with what you have where you are. And that's time, energy, and money. All right. Okay, in terms of getting started, it's hard. We get that. Uh, you know, some of the young adults were saying to Matt, you know, I don't have much money. You know, how do we get started with that? Oh, you know, and uh, he challenged them with this, which may be something that's helpful for you. If you've never given on a regular basis, you could choose for the next three months, work out a budget, work out an AP thing, let that money go, and see what God does. Honestly, we have got story after story after story in our own lives where God has either extended the money that we have or prevented big expenses coming our way. When we were pastoring in West Auckland, uh, you don't go into ministry for the big money, just to be clear. And, uh, and so our house was full of secondhand, you know, hand-me-downs and bargains that we'd been able to get from this, that, and every, you know, that, our house was full of old stuff, but it was home. And, uh, and while we were pastoring, it just all carried on working. And then when Matt finished up there and he went back to engineering, our fridge broke, our washing machine broke. I might have had a wee accident with the car and wrote it off. Um, <laughs> Just a tiny thing. Um, honestly, but by then he was earning differently and we could afford to replace them. If those are things, and honestly it happened within six months. And if that had happened when we were pastoring, we just we wouldn't have had the financial resources to replace that stuff. God knew. And honestly, that's just one story of a bunch. So the three-month challenge could be good for you. It could be this is a place to start and then let's see what God does in terms of making room and provision for us. Or here's another way of doing it. It's the one step at a time, next step approach. So for some of you who never give, start. Just start. Start with something, anything, and see what happens to your heart. For those of you who have already started and you give every now and then, kind of when the whim takes you, uh, and it's a bit sporadic, make it regular. Choose to set aside a certain amount every week or whenever your income comes in and just choose to become a regular and see what God does particularly with your heart. Those of you who are regulars, what is God talking to you about in terms of tithing? It's that 10% thing. Maybe that's the next step. Or for those of you who tithe regularly, what does becoming extravagant givers look like for you? That's a conversation to have with the Lord.
And this is all about our heart, guys. Just as he slowly, slowly, slowly expands our capacity to trust him, opens our hearts, opens our hands, and money is a big part of doing that in us. Okay, some of you are in a position of like finances are really stretched, that you're really struggling. And so you're hearing this and there's the possibility that you're going, you're just dying inside a little bit. Thinking, I, I don't even know if I could give $5 because it's that tight. We get that. So your part in this is to learn to receive. Okay? Learn to receive. There are seasons when this can happen to us. Sometimes that's because of no fault of our own, that circumstances in our lives have left us really vulnerable to financial pressure. Or for some of you, it's acknowledging and recognising, I'm actually really not good with money. I need help with this. I, I need help to get out of credit card debt or whatever it is. Um, we had a, Matt's cousin live with us a number of years ago and she'd gotten herself into a really tricky spot with um, credit card debt. She did not know how to get out of it. And so it just, the hole got bigger and bigger because interest on that stuff's just a killer, isn't it? And um, so she eventually asked for help. And Matt sat down with her, they worked out a plan how she could, you know, not keep making it bigger and to chip away at that thing. And it took time, it took about a year and a half, two years, but she got clear of the debt, which then freed her up to be able to do all sorts of things with her money that she couldn't do before. We ask each other for help. So some, for some people here, you need to hear this. Matthew 10, 42, this is what Jesus said. The smallest act of giving and receiving, of giving and receiving, makes you a true apprentice. There are times when we need to receive. Will you let us know if you need help? It might be just emergency help for this week or this month. Or it might be that you need to tap into the expertise and gifts of some of the other people in the church that can help you like to have a plan to get out of debt or whatever it is. But we can't help you if you don't let us know. And I know that's tremendously humbling and extremely hard to do because we've been in that situation. When we were interning in California, we had a five-month-old baby when we got there and we had no income. We were living off savings. And we were the recipients of living with people who didn't charge us rent and food parcels. I know what that feels like. It's not easy. I much prefer the giving part than the receiving part. But, but both of it is a mark of discipleship and of, of being an apprentice. So please, will you let us know? We have one life to live, don't we? And in that life, we have been invited and actually challenged by Jesus to become giving people who live in this open-handed, open-hearted posture where we continually talk to God about what do I have to give? In this season of life, what do I have to give? Whether you're retired or whether you're a stay-at-home mum with kids, whether you're studying or whether you're working in business. We, there are different pulls and demands on our time and our energy and our money and all the different seasons of life we're in, aren't there? So we've constantly got to be coming back to the Lord. What do I have to give? of my time, of my energy, and of my money in this season that will bring you glory and that will continue to change my heart.